Yes. All right, you can grab your seats. And uh, why don't you say to the person next to you, just before we get started, Jesus is King. You can say that to the person on your left. And uh, the person on the other side, just to remind them the devil's a liar. That's also an important truth to know too, that Jesus is King. All right. Well, Pastor Glenn and Debbie, as I mentioned, it's such an honor to be in your, your house, your church, over the last four days, and particularly to morning, this morning, the Lord's Day. You know, the Sunday is a very special day in the Hebrew calendar. And, uh, you know, a part of my main message to the wider body of Christ is for us to understand that church is not just Sunday. You know, I think there has been a, a mindset in days gone by, religious mindsets, where the definition of church is Sunday, rock up, sit on a pew, sing a few songs, maybe if you're really brave, clap your hands, <laughs> and then go home and have your Sunday lunch, and that's about it. Yeah, that's a good start, but that's not the total definition of church, is it? And I've actually got a message this morning titled, It's for All Believers, we're going to get into that shortly, but... Um, I just love local church. I love the opportunity to be able to come and minister in the evangelism schools. That's my heart to see every believer equipped to get outside the four walls. And yet I love coming back in the four walls on the Sunday because this aspect of church is so, so important. I'm going to speak into that more this morning as we, we're going to dive into the scriptures. I'm going to bring some analogies that I think you'll enjoy as well. But this Sunday expression of the church is very very important. On the Hebrew calendar, it's actually the Lord's Day. You know, when in the book of Revelation, uh, John, while he's on the Isle of Patmos, he said he didn't have people around him together. But what he did say this, he said, on the Lord's Day, I was in the Spirit. So even while he's being persecuted on the Isle of Patmos, without anybody around him, he still honored the Lord's Day. He said, on the Lord's Day, I was in the Spirit. And so Sunday is a very, very important day for our Christian walk. And having that as a, a good tradition, a good discipline in your life will hold you in good stead to say every week, I'm getting to church for the Lord's Day. And we're going to honor the Lord on the Lord's Day. It's the day that Jesus ascended, you know, in the upper room, you know, a, a passage that I often preach, Acts chapter 2. They all gathered, 120 people in the upper room. I love that. I love the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They gathered one heart, one accord, one mind. That was the Lord's Day. That was the Sunday on the Hebrew calendar. So that's why traditionally we have kept this Sunday. So I love it. We need both. We've got to get outside the four walls, and then we've got to get back in. <laughs> we need both. It's a flow. So I want to just quickly bring a little bit of introduction. For some, you may not know me the very first time that you're seeing this unusual, tall-looking man with an Australian accent that looks like he's a, either a Nephilim or an angel or something with, <laughs> with dread. He must be a mate of Daz because he's got dreadlocks. So. <laughs> uh, by the way, Daz, it's, it's so good that I've actually finally got to be in New Zealand. It's my first time in New Zealand. So I'm very excited to be here. Uh, we connected, really, it was supernaturally. You reminded me of the introduction when I uh, preached the session on, I think it was the Thursday night, 
and how the Lord connected us supernaturally. Uh, around the time that God had been talking to Daz about myself, and Daz, I think you were actually on YouTube looking at a, a message. I think Todd White, one of our friends over in America, had mentioned me, and you're like, who's this Daniel Hagen guy? And you're looking on YouTube. Right at that very moment, this was probably about five years ago, as he's looking at a message that I'm preaching on YouTube, I'm also uh, being told about Daz Chettle from a colleague of mine, Lee Wong, at the very same time. And we're talking over lunch, and as God's highlighting me, Lee texts you, and I'm sitting with Lee Wong, one of our pastors in our home base, that very same moment, and we actually say, Daz, we'd love to get you to Australia. And so that was that supernatural connection. I call that the language of the Spirit. The unusual coincidences that aren't so much coincidences, are they? We call them God incidences. And uh, the Lord reminded me of that. And I know it's taken me a while to get here. And all the crazy COVID stuff played a, a little bit of a part. But finally, we're here. And I think that's a good reminder for all of us that God's the one that opens doors. And he's the one that brings promotion. It's not from the east or the west or anybody. We don't need to push ourselves, whether whether it's something to do with your business or whatever you're going after, whatever your destiny is, just trust God, be faithful in the small things, and he'll bring about these unusual coincidences, these open doors, and just let just move at the speed of grace and the flow of grace. Be faithful with what's in front of you, and uh, God will open doors, and, and here we are now. And this is really a dream of mine, to be able to come into another nation and be able to share the gospel in such a beautiful, beautiful church as well. So uh, a part of my role is to lead a, a church a network called Fire Church Ministries. We st we're almost on 10 years. In May will be 10 years. We started in 2013. So I've had the great privilege of uh, being a part of uh, church planning and overseeing churches. And one of my other roles to serve the wider body of Christ is I'm one of the directors of Awakening Australia and Awakening Europe. Has anyone heard of uh, Awakening events? Are there large gospel campaigns in stadiums. It's a little bit of a mixture of the Billy Graham days and the Jesus People movement, where you've got that sort of raw grassroots uh, movement where it's Christ in all of us and huge outreaches on the streets, and then we also gather in the stadiums. So for pre-COVID, uh, I was probably traveling around five months of the year. And, uh, and then I don't know about you guys, but things slowed up a little bit in the way of travel over the last few years. And, uh, but I did have a chance during that time to write a book. And uh, it's taken me, this is 20 years in the making. <laughs> Been saved for almost 20 years now, but it took me three years to write it. And uh, a, big heart of my, a big part of my heart when I used to travel, I used to think, man, I used to go into places like this, amazing places with hungry people, and you'd you'd be able to just pour your life in for a few days. And I used to always think, man, I wish I could stay there longer and just continue to impart everything that I could. And so during the, the COVID times, the Lord said, here's your opportunity to actually prepare for that. And he reminded me of Paul when he was in prison. He didn't complain. He was still fruitful even in prison. And a lot of the letters that we still write today, the teachings that we still write today, came from Paul being in lockdown. <laughs> so I thought, okay, 
I want to follow that example. So I got busy during that time and uh, put together this book. It's called Ignite the Dynamite. Uh, the title is uh, inspired by a word dunamis. Has anyone heard of that Greek word dunamis, the old Greek language? Acts 1.8 features that word. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that you'll be a witness in Judea, Samaria, and the Daz version, Christchurch, New Zealand, Australia, all over the place, the outermost parts of the earth, which I think someone told me it literally is. New Zealand's the furthest away from, from uh, Israel. So we're the outermost parts of the earth. We feature in that scripture in Acts 1.8. So um, how to ignite the miracle-working power of God in your life, how to build and operate faith to release the explosive power of God, how to be grounded and founded in the Word, how to abide in Christ and avoid the pitfalls along the way, how to be a witness and see the call of God fulfilled in your life. Um, a great friend of mine, uh, Ben Fitzgerald, wrote the foreword. Another man over in Bethel, uh, Bill Johnson, was also gracious enough to be able to put a forward together for that as well. But I want to give away two. Does anyone love reading? Over there, that lady had her hand up super quick. Let's give this lady a round of applause for her passion. <laughs> there you go. And uh, anybody else? Here we go. I saw your hand first when I said that. Um, and this is not a really spiritual thing, but I, Daz told me to bring my golf clubs, and so I did. And I actually got to have a game of golf yesterday. Um, but that meant I was three kilos over my weight. So, <laughs> on, the, on the luggage. So if you could grab a book so that I don't have to take any, any more home, that would be amazing. And in fact, if you grab Daz's book and my book, you can have mine half price. All right? That's a deal. We'll do a bundle package. You can do mine half price if you get both today. So that would be amazing. All right. Let's get into the message. It's for all believers. I want to take you to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. I love the Word of God, so I love to just start straight in the Scriptures. Who loves the Word? I love the Word, I love the Holy Spirit, the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit. If it wasn't for that, I would be dead and in hell, no doubt. Some of my background, although I'm you know, leading church movements now and, and, uh, and, and you know, God's been gracious and I've been doing amazing things, uh, ministering the Word of God, it hasn't always been like that. I was, I was a, a drug addict, I was messed up in the nightclub life, but our, our, our band took off pretty quickly as a young man and we were successful, but that led me down a very, very dark path and I actually talk about that in my book through my my journey but it was the miracle working power of God in a local church it was an encounter in a local church just like this around the same size that changed my life forever in 2003 that's why I'm so passionate about the local church I love serving the wider body of Christ in these different things that we do but we need strong consistent local churches with great pastors just like you guys an amazing team we need it we need it. We need the harvesters and the disciples. And so I'm passionate about the, the move of the Spirit because I know personally what it can do. But also know the power of the Word of God. And so discipleship is so important. You have those moments where you're dramatically delivered and healed. But you also need that follow-on discipleship and the Word of God is key to that. 
And I remember the first year in particular of my Christianity, I couldn't put the Bible down. I still can't, but I'm talking like eight hours a day. It was supernatural because I hated study previous to that. I struggled to read books. But when I got saved, I opened the Bible and I couldn't stop reading. It was awesome. And I actually had a King James Version too. So that was a real miracle. I was learning words that I've never seen before in my life. Lasciviousness. I'm like, what's that? Sounds like a dragon or a, a huge animal. These and thous. And, but I didn't necessarily even fully comprehend mentally what I was reading, but I could feel something happening. And now I know it was the washing of the word. That's what the Bible says, that the word is like it, it washes us clean. And now I know it was the renewing of the mind, like it talks about in the book of Romans, that we become transformed by the renewing of our minds. So I just want to do a shout out for the word. If you love the word, let's give Jesus some praise. All right. So here's our scripture. And he gave... Some apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, or the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Who are the saints? Point to someone. If you, does anyone know any saints out there? Point to a saint if you know a saint. Now, if you've come from a Roman Catholic background, your comprehension of what a saint is is probably a lot different than what my understanding of a saint is. In the Roman Catholic tradition, a saint, you would actually have to be dead first to be a saint. And you'd have to be, your life would have to be proven through certain miracles and various things. It's this canonization process to become a saint. Here's the good news. The Bible teaches something different. I love my Catholic brothers and sisters, but they've missed it on a few things, unfortunately. The Bible says that we are, as believers, if you're a born-again believer, you're a saint. That word saint can also be translated holy or hagios in the original language. That's who you are. If you've been born again, you are a saint. So the next time someone says to you, what, do you think you're a saint or something? <laughs> and I say, well, yeah. <laughs> Jesus made me a saint. You're not holy in your own strength or because of your own good works. Why are we holy? Because Jesus paid the ultimate price to take away our sin on the cross to make us new creations. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So the context of the saints is us. So when we read this, we know that the fivefold ministry, these apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, they're there to equip all of us. So I thought I'd love to bring a, a great analogy using sport to try and unpack this a little more for us. Is that all right? I hear New Zealanders like sport. Uh, and so I thought I'd better bring an example of the All Blacks. Now, I, I grew up playing AFL footy. Anyone heard of AFL footy? Some of you guys might call it aerial ping pong or something like that. Um, so I grew up playing that, and I understand the importance of what happens out in the field. You know, there's a lot of different elements to a sporting game. You might have, uh, you know, you've got the spectators. Uh, for us, we would have hot pies, and the spectators would be eating their pies, and they'd be cheering, and some would be booing, and some would be yelling at the umpires, and you'd have all the critics sitting way back up in the 
grandstand, and so there's that element of the game. And then you have what then you have the aspect of what happens out on the field, the players, right? And then of course there's another important component to a successful team, and that's the coaches. And in this day and age, the coaching aspect is so important. You have like back coaches now and forwards coaches and you have coaches that are dedicated to certain aspects of the field. And that kind of reminds me a little bit about the structure of the church and the fivefold ministry. And that helps us if you're into sport. That kind of helps you comprehend what Paul was talking about here when he's beginning to set up this structure of the early church system, if you like, for lack of a better term. But any successful team... If you don't have great coaches, you can have like superstar players, but if they're just out on their own and they're not working within the team plan or the vision or they're not, you know, coming under the coach's instructions, you know, they'll still do some good things. And, but I guarantee you they're probably not going to win the ultimate flag or the grand final like we call it. I'd love to bring... Uh, a photo up of, uh, here we go. Now, apparently, this is not the new coach. This is the old, old All Blacks. And from my understanding, Christchurch, you guys are called the Crusaders. Is that right? See, I'm, le I'm learning. <laughs> but I looked at this photo, and I thought, you can see there's, a dis what's happening here is, uh, you can see there's definition around the coaches are dressed in black there. And you can see there's a pointing, there's, there's instruction, there's, there's vision. This speaks of training as well. And, you know, training in an analogy with the church is really another word for discipleship. So the church and the job of the coaches, the pastors, the leaders, the fivefold ministry is to train us, is to equip us, is to mature us, is to bring about vision and direction and strategy. And we've got specialist coaches in different areas so that we can become the best that we can become. Is that right? And you can see the, uh, the guys in blue look, look a little bit out of breath there. I think they've been working pretty hard. And sometimes that's like that in church life, right? <laughs> Some of us after the last four days are probably feeling like that. It's like, whew, that's awesome, but I'm a little bit out of breath. But what is the game? Is it what happens in here on Sunday? Is that the game? Or is the game... The Monday, the Tuesday, the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. What happens outside of the four walls when you're with your family, when you go to the, the service station? Emma, you brought an, a beautiful analogy. You were in a church meeting. You got bandaged up, healed up, and then you went back out into the game. The coach has helped you. It's like that. The, I see this, this gathering is like the, the halftime address. We come in, we've been out there in our everyday life, we've been trying to extend the kingdom, we're building our business, we're fulfilling the destiny and the call in our life. We're all called into different areas. Some of you might be called into the medical field, teachers. Some of you guys might be full-time moms or dads. Whatever your call is outside of the four walls, that's the game. That's where we're all extending the kingdom. That's really where it counts. And then on the Sunday, we come back in. And sometimes we've got to get bandaged up. 
You know, we've had a few hard knocks and things happen in life, right? And we come in, we get healed up so that we can go back out again. And that was a beautiful example of that. And we celebrate that, bringing the kingdom out there. That's, that's really where it counts. That's where the rubber hits the road. I want to bring another analogy of another, another guy. This guy, his name's Tyson Fury. Anyone heard of this guy? If you're into combat sport, you probably would have heard of him. He's uh, an undefeated heavyweight champion. Actually, when I was in Holland, just recently in July, we, we put on a large a stadium event there in Holland and around 15,000 people rocked up, which was the first large gathering since all the COVID lockdowns. It was meant to be early 2020, but to keep pushing the date back. So it was just, it felt so good to see these arenas full again, but not for sport, this time for Jesus. But on the first day that I was there, I actually, I woke up in the morning and I woke up to Tyson Fury winning a heavyweight bout and declaring, I want, the first thing he said is, I want to thank the Lord Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Hey, he needs, he, he definitely needs some spiritual coaches, <laughs> but that's a pretty cool thing to, the first thing you say, I want to thank the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, and it was a record crowd at Wembley. That caught my attention too. Because I really believe that things are opening up all over the world. And God's about to crack open New Zealand like we've never seen before. And I really believe these large Jesus gatherings are coming back, man. I think we're all of us. That 10,000 vision. Come on, we, let's, let's really believe for Jesus to do amazing things. But to do that, we need strong local churches. And we need to get behind the vision of the local church and uh, understand that we need those coaches in our life. Now, Tyson Fury is a phenomenal boxer. And he probably knows more, perhaps, than his coaches. But yet, yet you don't find him uh, saying, you know, after round nine, gets knocked down twice. You don't find him saying, oh, look, I know more than you guys. I'll just have my own little rest over here and then I'll get back into it again. Don't worry, I've got this. You know, and sometimes that can be our mentality a little bit in the Christian world. But it's funny that we don't see that with sporting greats. And if they do have an attitude like that, I guarantee you they won't be the world champion. And I got thinking about that. How much more should we have an attitude to say, man, I need these coaches in my life. I need these mentors in my life. I need to get into that halftime address and be encouraged. We need to encourage one another, build one another up in our faith so we can go back out there into the world and beat the devil up. <laughs> we might get knocked down, but we'll get back up again. In fact, Tyson Fury, just before this moment, was knocked down twice. And the second time he was knocked down, the count got to almost 10, and he miraculously got up right in the last moment. And he's pr probably pretty dazed and confused right here. And some of us feel like that, don't, don't we? And sometimes in life we have curveballs. The enemy throws curveballs at us in our life. And sometimes we feel dazed and confused. And that's why we need each other. We've got to come back in. And coaches speak faith. Speak the word of God into our life. Come on, you can do it. Stronger is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And in this moment, that's what this coach, Sugar, was saying to Tyson in this moment. 
He's like, don't worry about the knockdowns. Don't think about that. He literally said this. It's quoted in an article that I read. And I think about a scripture that says, forget the former things. Look forward. Don't look left and right. Don't be distracted. Press towards the mark of the high calling. And this is the coaching address that we need. And I tell you what, it's going to be such... Can you imagine if we take on some of these mindsets that the world take on for a crown that's perishable, for a golden belt that's perishable? I watched a, a fight a couple of weeks ago and the guy that won the 155 title paid $1 million for one coaching camp that went for about three months. He was prepared to invest $1 million in to bring all the best coaches in to create the ultimate environment so that he could be fulfilled the destiny and call on his life. And for him, it wasn't just about the, the golden belt, but for him, it was about a legacy. He wanted to be remembered how many people know that, you know, I think sporting success is great. If you're called to that, go for it. But the ultimate legacy is not a golden belt winning some fight. What's the ultimate legacy? We're living it right now. We want to leave a mark for the kingdom. We want to get into heaven one day and say, wow, you know that money that you sowed into that local church? This was the effect. This was the community. This, these are the families that got impacted by your investment. If this guy's willing to put a million into some fight camp, how much more should we just lay our whole life down and say, I'm going to give my whole life for the kingdom? We're in the real fight, man. Why don't you say to the person next to you, we're in the real fight. The Bible says we're in the good fight of faith. Amen? Let's all say it together. I'm in the good fight of faith. Let's say it all together one more time. I'm in the good fight of faith. Awesome. All right. I want to now take us to, to Acts chapter 6. And this is my final point. And I want to pray for some people this morning. Does that sound all right? I'm going to read a section of scripture. And to me, there's so many awesome elements. It, it speaks of the importance of the coaches, the, the apostolic leadership, the governance. It speaks of various roles. It speaks of revival where God added to the church daily. That's what we all want to see, right? We want to see our unsaved family and friends, our neighbors, our community experiencing, hearing the gospel, being saved for the first time. And it speaks of everyday believers getting out into the community and even moving in signs and wonders and miracles. Do you know we're all called to move in signs, wonders and miracles? We're all called to live a supernatural life. It's not just for the visiting evangelist or the special chosen that God seems to sovereignly anoint. No, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in all of us. When you read the gospels, when you read the New Testament and you you read about and be inspired by all those supernatural stories. It's not supposed to be just history, although it is amazing history. It's supposed to be an invitation to say this is what is possible. In fact, I would say not even just what's possible. This is what should be normal. 
The Bible wasn't supposed to be the ultimate high standard. The Bible's an invitation to say, this can be normal. And Jesus actually said, see what, see what you're reading about now. You can actually, when I go to the Father, you can actually do greater things because now I give you a helper, the Holy Spirit. That's pretty awesome. If you're with me on that, give me a, a shout out. Amen, amen, amen. All right, Ephesians. Uh, sorry, we're going to now jump into. We're going to go Acts chapter 6. Just give me a shout out if you've already got it. You've probably beaten me to it. All right, here we go. I'm going to jump through it pretty quickly and just highlight the important parts. Verse 1. Now, in these days when the disciples were increasing in number... That's a good problem to have, right? The disciples are increasing in number. A complaint by the Hellenists rose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. More people means more problems. <laughs> but it's a good problem. You want more people, but it often means it's messy. There's things you've got to deal with, right? And that's a part of the strategy of the game. We need the coaches, we need training, we need direction. We've got to get behind the vision so that we can do what we do well. It's never going to be perfect. As there's increase, there's going to be issues. But look at how they dealt with it. It was really cool. And the 12, we're talking about the 12 apostles, the leadership, the coaches, the 12 summoned the full number of disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. So they understood their role as the coaches, we can't get in and start bandaging up the players uh, because we're going to be spread too thin. We're going to focus on the strategy on our specific role in the body of Christ, right? So we've all got to make sure that we're taking our part, our rightful part in the body of Christ. It's, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. This is the helps ministry. They needed seven people and they needed to start a department to serve in the helps ministry. I love this. Local church, we need people to step up and serve people of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and faith to serve in the helps ministry. Sometimes we think, and particularly if you know you're called to a specific thing, I'm called, I want to be like Daz, I want to be a revivalist, or I want to be like Pastor Glenn or Pastor Debbie, I know I'm called to that, but we don't realize that there's a process, there's a discipleship process, there's a, a laying down of our life, there's a learning to be faithful in the small things, a, a willingness to say, hey, whatever's needed, I'll step into. I want to have good reputation, I want to have good character, and if I need to serve in the... Uh, local church in the helps ministry, even though I know one day I'm called to be a pastor, I'm going to do that. Because it's about the game, right? It's about we're all pressing towards the mark. We might all have different roles within the game. Game's probably not the best analogy, is it? Because this is not a game, man. This is life. This is the most important thing we'll ever do. But just for the sake of the context of that analogy, I'm using that language. We've got to be willing, man. And I love this because the end of this passage, when everyone took their rightful place and stood up and um, took their right position, God added to the church even more. The word of God spread everywhere and God brought revival. And that's why we're here, right? 
We need all hands on deck for the harvest. The school that we've just been in is called Harvest Now. That's, that's a prophetic title. It's not just some buzzword. It's prophetic. The harvest is ripe. And today or now is the day of salvation. And I believe that this is a prophetic passage for this community. Get ready because increase is coming even more. And we're going to need all hands on deck in every area. All of us flowing together with the vision to see this region, this nation saved in Jesus' name. If you're with me. I'm starting to get in faith and excited about this. All right, here we go. You ready? Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they, and what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose seven, sorry, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit and Philip, Procreus, Nicena, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid hands on them. Check this out. And the word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly. Everyone say greatly. That's why we're here. All of these components were necessary for the word of God to spread and for there to be a great increase. I want us to stand to our feet. Two of those men that were mentioned feature later on again. Stephen was one of them. So he put his hand up for the helps ministry, but guess what else he did? When he wasn't serving in the church, in the helps ministry, he was in the marketplace. And it said that he was doing signs and wonders and preaching the gospel so much so that he ended up being persecuted heavenly and got stoned to death. But the main point I want to bring out is that you've got to be willing, obviously, to lay your life down. But if your role in the church is in the helps ministry, that doesn't mean that outside of the four walls, in fact, understand outside of the four walls is the game. And that you can be ministering and preaching the gospel and moving in signs and wonders and seeing people saved, even though your title might not be an evangelist. It's Christ in all of us. It's for all believers. Amen. And then we also see Philip was one of the seven. He put his hand up to say, I'm going to be faithful with what's in front of me. And then later, he was actually one that was, God sent him out into a place called Samaria. And God entrusted him with stewarding and fanning into flame one of the greatest revivals in biblical history in Samaria as an evangelist. But he was faithful first put his hand up to say whatever's needed that's the heart amen all right i want to pray for us right now i want to pray for this church sometimes i do altar calls but i don't feel to do that right now i feel like this is a, a message for everybody father i thank you for this house this church this beautiful church thrive church a church that's not called just to maintain or to manage or to survive, but a church that prophetically and rightly is called to thrive, is called to advance, is called to plant more, even a, a sister church or a daughter church, to plant more communities as the time is right, as the, the, at the speed of grace, at the Lord's leading. But I thank you, Lord God, that there's going to be a great increase as a result of this amazing community, as a result of people taking their rightful place 
of people understanding the importance of the coach's address, the consistency of coming in and being trained and equipped, but then taking it out, taking the wildfire, the, the Acts 1-8 wildfire to go out and into every area of our life, every area that God calls you to influence and impacting that area with the gospel and with the fullness of God to advance the kingdom in Jesus' name. Just put your hand on your heart. And guys, if you, if you are, are feeling uh, convicted or maybe even more uh, accurately termed encouraged by this message, I want you to put your hand on your heart and say, God, help me. I put my hand up to be faithful with whatever you put in front of me. Lord, if it's the helps ministry, if it's leading a, a small group, if it's leading an outreach, God, if you're calling me into a fivefold office, help me, Lord. Train me, God. God, your gospel is more important than anything. If these people can do it for a perishable crown, how much should I give my whole life for the gospel of Jesus Christ, for the advancement of your kingdom? In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Let's give Jesus some praise. Hallelujah. God bless you guys.